0: My goodness, he's here. His presence is here. Thank you, Pastor Q and your precious wife, Joy, and all of you that are here tonight. We had a phenomenal time last night in in Virginia, but this evening is going to be even greater. As great as it was last night, it's going to be even greater tonight and tomorrow night because we go from glory to glory. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My goodness, um, I just love being here in this area. In in fact, we're probably going to move here. Um, Yeah, that would be neat, wouldn't it? Uh, Wow, what a great looking crowd tonight on this Wednesday evening. Be sure to be here tomorrow night as well. You don't want to miss what's going to happen. Pastor Marty. Uh, our executive pastor at Christ Fellowship Church will be ministering tomorrow night. He's going to be preaching and then also baptizing people in the water. Don't you love some Pastor Marty? His wonderful wife Paula Joe couldn't be with us tonight, uh, but uh, my wife is. Come on now. Yeah, I want her. I want her to greet you for just a few moments. But before she does. Do we have any lead pastors and their spouses here tonight? If you would raise your hand. If you pastor a church somewhere, uh, raise your hand and your wife or your husband, whichever the case, if you are a lead pastor, anybody, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you for coming. I really believe there'll be an impartation tonight. Uh, I, I really believe there'll be an impartation. You came here tonight expecting something from him. Uh, he will never disappoint. He is here tonight to move in your life. But he will move in your life to the point of the exchange. To the level that you exchange you, he will come in power. Part of you, part of him. All of you, all of him. Does that make sense? All right. So I want you to welcome my wife, Karen Smith. And if you'll come, we've been married 34 years. Praise God for that. Yes. Yes. She's getting younger. I'm getting a little older. They, you know, all the time, is this your daughter? You know, is this your daughter that you're bringing with you on the road? You know, that type thing. And, uh, but uh, we've been married 34 years. She leads an incredible ministry of our church that I believe was crucial for us to be able to host the presence of the Lord. There's a difference between hosting the presence of the Lord and just entertaining a visitation from the Lord. There's visitation and there's habitation. Uh, The culture has to be right. The structure has to be right to be able to host the Lord long-term. I'll talk more about that at the leaders' meeting tomorrow. But Caneo Ministry Training Center, which she leads and she's the president of, is, I believe, one of the foundational uh, stones, if not the pillar, of the revival at Christ Fellowship, the North Georgia Revival. So one more time, would you welcome her? She's going to share a little bit about that.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having us once again. Uh, here in your wonderful city, thank you, Pastor Q and Miss Joy, Pastor Joy, for having us and allowing us to come back and just share what the Lord is doing in Dawsonville, Georgia, and what seems to be spilling out all over the country. Amen. And it has spilled out here, and uh, we just love to come and talk about the presence of the Lord. And uh, as Pastor Q mentioned a moment ago, he said something very important, and that is that uh, the importance of us building our lives on and having a foundation. Foundation in God's Word. Very important. The Lord says in His Word that He looks for worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. And so we love experiences with the Holy Spirit. We love experiences with the gifts of God and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit. We love those things. But guys, also, we never want to neglect the other side of things, and that is the Word and just that daily, fresh, personal, intimate walk with God every single day. And that's what Canale Ministry Training Center is all about. We have a display out in the foyer. Uh, my assistant, Michaela, is here tonight we'd love to talk to you about our training center and uh, as todd uh, mentioned a moment ago this had a lot to do with building our people building the body building our people because canal had been in in place for quite a few years three or four years uh when revival came to christ fellowship church and to our community so our people pastor our body was ready our body was ready. The body of believers, they were there was a core. Not everybody was in Caneo at that time, but there was a core of individuals that were ready. And we knew how to carry the presence of God. We knew how to answer the hard questions. We knew how to witness. We knew how to share our faith. We knew how to operate in the flow of the Holy Spirit. We knew how to hear God. I many of you know you have to hear God if you're going to help somebody else. And so we had a core. We had a foundation of folks in our church um, that knew how to minister. And and a lot of that had to do with Canale Ministry Training Center. And now the Ministry Training Center encompasses folks from all over our community. Um and so we just we welcome uh, that and that that level of participation. And so now that uh, our the revival uh, our teams are comprised of people from all over. Well, our school is now comprised from people of all over because everybody wants to be trained. The beauty of Canale Ministry Training Center is is that you can participate live online, live online. We are having some churches actually open their sanctuary to their members and creating a classroom right in the sanctuary, putting our class right on the screen, and all of the students come in together and take the classes together. That's working out fabulous. Matter of fact, we have a campus in Cottonwood, Arizona, and so they gather on their school night, and they watch live. And so, again, come and see us at the table. I'd love to tell you about the classes. Everything starts September the 17th. If you are a year one canal student and you all would be, your class would be every Tuesday night, seven to nine live online through the month of May. So guys, listen, this is something not, you don't even have to pray about this because the Lord wants all of us to get equipped, all of us to be, you should be an, you should be a student of God's word for the rest of your life. There's a difference between a pu- uh, between a follower of Christ and a pupil of Christ. A disciple is a pupil. So if we call ourselves a disciple of Christ, that means we're a pupil of Christ and we're ever learning. So come and see us tonight. We'd love to talk to you about Caneo.
0: That's incredible. Yes. I want you to stand to your feet for just a moment, and I want you to welcome Pastor Marty Derricott as he shares a word with us tonight. Would you welcome him, the incredible man of God?
2: Thank you so much, man. It is good to be home. This is home. Some churches you tolerate going to, and others you celebrate. That's just the fact. That's just the way it is, because not everybody's ready like you are. Not everybody's prepared the ground and... And work like you have. Very few have isolated. They want revival. They just don't want to do what it takes to get revival. You have. You've isolated yourself in moments of prayer. Isolation is the breeding ground for a visitation that if you steward well could become a habitation. You've, you've got all three. And so it is an honor to be standing with you tonight. My wife couldn't be here. She is still working corporate America job and... Um, and uh, has expired her vacation days, so she said, "Marty, give them my love." She had to take those four days to go to Seoul, Korea, in October, so she has used all of her days up. But she she desperately wanted to be here. Um, just wanted to share just a couple of things with you this evening. That uh, before Pastor Todd comes um, this evening, you'll have a chance to be baptized in water and. In 77 weeks at our church back home in Dawsonville, Georgia, we, we didn't pray for God to pour out uh, prosperity. We didn't pray for buildings. We didn't pray for more programs. We got to a place in January of last year and we said, God, if you don't show up, God, if you don't move, then move all of us. What, what are we doing if we just keep coming and we're not experiencing the move of God? We might as well just stay home. I think the, the, most churches today aren't experiencing revival because they're content with survival. It's just okay to be normal. It's just okay to come in and do the same three songs and the same transition and the same offering and the same, you know, messages are great. But then we go home and we're still the same. Nothing changed. Revival is, is about restoring an altar. The altar is not a piece of wood. It's a place to die. (laughs) And so that's what the Lord is asking from us when we're saying, God, pour out your spirit. he, He said, okay, okay, are you ready to die then? So tonight the water baptisms, yes, he's healing people. We'll talk about some miracles and some healings and deliverance and marriage restoration and all that. But bottom line is the Lord wants us to step into that water and become dead men and dead women. That's what he's looking for, the sacrifice. He is always, fire goes after one thing things that are dead and become sacrifices. He wants to consume it. And so uh, it, it, it is a beautiful thing to be 77 weeks in. Now we are 8,383 baptisms into this revival. 8,300 people have been baptized in those waters from Auckland, New Zealand, to France, to Germany, to Tokyo, Japan. They're coming from all over the world, not for a ministry, not for a pool not for songs of worship, which is amazing, but they're coming because they realize that God has sat down in a place just like He has sat down in this place, in this ministry, in this gathering. He sits down, and people are attracted to that. And so God's going to move tonight in an incredible way. Back in April, as we were in the water on a Sunday night, I'll never forget, we are in the water on a Sunday night, and there was a lady with stage 4 lung cancer that came to be baptized. She could not get in the water. She was so fragile. Her body was so fragile. Her hair had all gone from the radiation and the chemo. And she was just so weak. She was so desperate. You know, God's into desperation too. He's, he's looking for that moment of desperation. So she came, couldn't even get into the water. And she she climbed up on the platform beside us and knelt down. And I took a towel and we baptized that towel. We placed it over her head. And we prayed and commanded her body to line up to the word of the living God. And we commanded her body uh, uh, to, to reject that foreign substance on the inside of her, that cancer. We began to minister to her and that was in April. And she left and a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night she returned. And I saw her come around the corner into the baptismal pool and I said, I remember you. But this time her hair was as thick as mine. She was 30 pounds heavier She said that when she went to the doctor in June, she shared a story of how she went back to the doctor and they ran her PET scans and they told her, the doctors literally said, ma'am, your cancer is shriveling up and dying. You can only explain that one way. Jesus. So fast forward to this past Sunday night. Three days ago now. This girl comes into the water, 12 years old. I think we have a picture of her. We'll show on the screen. Her name was Blair. She gets into the water. She wanted to be baptized. Her grandmother brought her. Her parents weren't even at the service, but her grandmother brought her. And as Blair got into the water, she just began to say, thank you. Thank you. She was so excited. And I ask a couple of questions when, when you get into the water. We'll ask in the same questions tonight. What is your name? I think that's very important. Jesus, Jesus cares who you are. What's your name? Where are you from? Why are you in the water? And do you want to hold your nose? When I asked her, I asked her why she was in the water. She said, well, my left ear has been deaf since the first grade. She had an ear infection and she went to the doctor and they had uh, misdiagnosed it and tried to treat it. And ended up doing damage, permanent damage to her nerves in her ear. And it left her 100% deaf. In her left ear, 100% deaf. So we anointed her with oil. We began to pray over her, and about 12 minutes in, something happened. And I got down into her left ear and I began to whisper. Many of you, how many of you have been to the Dawsonville revival? You've been to Georgia, to okay. So you, many of you have heard. Before we baptize you, I'll say one last thing: Jesus, send the fire. And I began to say that over that little girl. And the Lord said, no, whisper it in her ear. And so I bent down and whispered in her left ear, send the fire. Send the fire. And I got softer and softer. And she started repeating it back. Send the fire. And I got softer. Send the fire. In her left ear. She began to repeat it every time I said it. And then you could see, I wish I could share the video, but... There was a moment, 12 minutes in, where she realizes in her own mind, her eyes are closed, and she realizes she's repeating what she's hearing in her left ear. And her eyes open up, and she begins to weep. All of us begin to weep. And God touched that little girl, opened up her left ear, 100% can hear now. She can hear. God restored her hearing. Isaiah 35.5. He said it a long time ago. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 35.5, the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. And Jesus is glorified through it all. Amen. Amen. Tonight, the same thing will happen. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears open. Marriage is restored. People will be born again in these altars, in the water, out in the foyer. It doesn't matter where you are. You're here. Jesus is here. It doesn't matter where you go. He can move in your life. Sitting in your seat tonight. All you have to do is come expecting. When that little girl got her hearing, all she said was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll close with this. Gratitude. I am fully convinced. Gratitude is the gateway for the glory of God in your life. Amen. Amen.
0: Welcome Pastor Todd as he comes. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to take about three minutes it's not even that long probably about two minutes and greet someone around you because this is important God's going to move in this place tonight and I don't want you to be among strangers we're among family so introduce yourself my lord All right. Hey, bless you. How you doing, Tom? Fun to
3: see you friend. Uh, little town holler, man. We
0: out folks. Thank you. I'm
1: Toby
0: Brett.
1: Hey,
0: Tommy. Toby. Sorry My goodness, thank you. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll tell you what, every time Pastor Marty speaks or my wife speaks, I just feel the glory of the Lord. And he is here. I want to take uh, two or three minutes to tell you about, as what Pastor Q said, some products at the table. I want to encourage you to get this Bible Promise book. Um, Grab this tonight. It's very handy. It will help you. Topics of the Bible. Some incredible quotes that will... um, enhance uh, the scriptures, get the word power, 40 days uh, written, I believe now in seven different languages. This is a great resource to help you be consistent in your Bible study. It's interactive, fill in the blank. You would love that one. Get that tonight. Uh, don't let that pass you by. Thank you, babe. And the book that I wrote just, just got released um, in April, I think it was, and I think I shared this with you guys last time called He Sent Him, a book on the Holy Spirit, releasing, understanding and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is so powerful and valuable. Uh, I, I deal a couple chapters on speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. We do not understand the value and the purpose of praying in the Holy Ghost like what we need to. Grab this book he sent to him. That's the second book in a trilogy that we're believing that God will give us. This is the first book that I wrote called He Sat Down. I'll be preaching about this tonight. You will want to get, if you're going to get two of them, grab these two. All right. And I only have I don't know just a very few of these. We basically almost got rid of everything last night in uh in uh, Virginia, so grab those. Don't wait till tomorrow night, get them. Uh you can go to kingdomready.tv. I don't know if you guys can pull that up. I don't even know if I have a, a slide. Yeah, pull up number 8 if you would. Slide number 8. Uh kingdomready.tv. Um let me know when that gets up there. Please, guys, if y'all would uh, do that. Um all right, uh, kingdomready.tv, kingdomready.tv, you can go there and get a digital download of both of those books. Instead of, if you don't like the hard copy, you can get the digital download, and so thank you for that, all right? Uh, I want you to go in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16. I, I'm on assignment tonight, I am on assignment. As Pastor Marty said so beautifully, we're seeing all kinds of miracles and healings Uh. Uh. Go to slide number 24, guys, 24. Uh, this is a lady, for those of you that don't know, her name is Lorraine Barge. I shared this story last time that I was here, but I've got to build your faith. Who was here, or who's here for the first time? Raise your hand. This is your first time to hear? Wow, okay, most of us. So I'm going to share a couple stories with you, others of you that heard it last time. You just build your faith, because this is going to help you. Uh, this is the lady, uh, Lorraine Barge, and her husband, John. John uh, ran for governor. Governor in the state of Georgia. At the time of running for governor in 2016, he was the state school superintendent. In other words, he was the principal of all principals in the state of Georgia. Alright? He, uh, was, uh, he's highly educated, very intelligent. Both of them are extremely smart people. But she got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Stage four breast cancer. And I want you to take an, a look at what stage four breast cancer looks like in uh, a human body. Uh, She had 50 cancerous lesions in her body. 50 cancerous lesions in her body. And they're all over her person. And if you guys can pull that up a little bit quicker, guys, if y'all can move on that. Um, Yeah, okay, move very quickly if you can as I'm talking. Here's what cancer looks like in a human body. Every one of those dark spots is cancer, cancer of the bones. She was taking oral chemo, uh, started in June of 2018, so not not uh, just over a year ago. And the um, doctor says, we're only going to hope to contain it. We probably won't be able to cure it. Uh, we're just going to help give you the best quality of life that we possibly can. On uh, October the 28th, I believe it was, she came to Dawsonville because she started hearing about the miracles that God was performing, what God was doing in the house, all right? Uh, how psoriasis melt off a man's body right there in a pool that just went in to assist his mother getting baptized. Uh, how people that were having mental issues were getting uh, off medicines. People that were clinically diagnosed with particular um, ailments. Arthritis, bursitis being completely healed, heart problems. People that were having eczema on their skin. People that um, teenagers that were being literally set free in the water she had heard about that living six hours away she decided to come on october 28th she got or excuse me october 28th she got baptized and the very next day on october the 29th this is the pet scan that the doctors came every one of the cancerous lesions gone out of her body this is the very next day after her baptism That's her bladder, that's her kidney, and then that's her heart. And I say this tonight, if God can do it for Lorraine Barge, God can do it for all of us in this room. Uh, here's a story, if you guys would, to uh, go to slide 31, Larry Roquin. I just uh, texted him before I came here tonight. This is a pastor that had no cartilage in the lower 12 inches of his back, the lower 12 inches of his back. It was vertebrae upon vertebrae. And that's he and his wife, Rinaldi, um, in the water to uh, and, in Dawsonville to get baptized. He gets baptized. He drives back to Louisiana 10 hours, and he has no back pain. Now, what you need to understand is that Pastor Larry was taking five hydrocodone pills a day just to cope, just to get out of the bed. He had to take a hydrocodone, the highest dosage that a doctor can prescribe to a human, all right? He was taking five of those pills every day for seven years. He couldn't get out of bed until he took a a pill and it took 20 minutes to take effect, and then he can get out of bed. He, get bat- he, he got baptized on this night, February the 24th, 2019. He gets to Louisiana, no back pain, goes to sleep, wakes up the next day, and was able to literally pop out of bed as quickly as he woke up. With zero back pain. No back pain. Zero back pain. And he had had it for seven years, no cartilage in his back. This has been since February. i talked to him today, completely pain-free, completely, listen, healed by the Lord. You can give God praise right there, would you? Yes. Now, I even think, and what he thinks is even a greater miracle that God put cartilage back into his back is that for seven years he took hydrocodone, you know, the pill, painkiller, and the doctor called him about 10 days after he got back and said, Larry, how you doing? And he said, man, doctor, my back is great. It's wonderful. I'm not having any back pain. I'm healed. I'm like a 22, 23 year old man. I'm I'm moving. I'm doing everything that I, I couldn't do before. No, and the doctor says, I'm not talking about that. He says, you came cold turkey off of hydrocodone that you've been taking five pills a day for seven years. Tell me, is your skin crawling? Are you having nightmares? Are you shaking uncontrollably? Are you vomiting? Are you, are you sick in your body? And, and, and Pastor Larry goes, doctor, I have, I haven't had any of those symptoms. You see, when Jesus healed him, he also healed the possibility of him having severe withdrawal symptoms. Amen. Come on, give God praise right there. My goodness. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house tonight. Uh, and so I just wanted to tell you about that. Then I want to tell you about slide number 38, if you can go there. This is John Andrew Jacks. John Andrew Jacks. This just happened. I don't know. if uh, when, when was I here in May? 23rd okay so you didn't hear this story this happened may 17th i was at a jewish synagogue in birmingham alabama at um beth hallel with rabbi david he's 69 years old rebetson leslie snyer is his wife and they pastor a messianic jewish church in birmingham alabama they called karen and i and said come and just share the story well i want to tell you something We get there, and they they didn't decide to baptize literally until the day or two before. They just wanted us to share the story. They open up the baptistry, and the heater's not working. They decided to baptize, and the heater's not working. That's a bad thing. Because I hate cold. I hate cold water. Come on now, somebody. Help me. Don't make me work tonight. I hate cold water. So... I I, kind of just gently tell the rabbi, now he's 69 years old, and I said, Rabbi, I really think that your people need you to baptize them tonight. I'll stand on the outside, but I think you need to get in the water with them. I think it would be a great bonding moment for you and your people. So he agrees, and he gets into the water. That's him in the right-hand corner, and there's an assistant, but the water is like 60 60 degrees. It's like death. If you don't die spiritually, we're going to kill you physically, you have hypothermia, we're going to, it's awful, wasn't it cold Karen, Woo, I just, golly, I get chills thinking about, it. so anyway, we baptized 150 people around there, 150, well no, it was about 100 people the first time, then 150 the next time that we went, and so this is the first time we went, May 17th, so he gets baptized, he's 10 years old, and he is clinically diagnosed with dyslexia. And and you guys know what that means. You, hard time reading, concentrating, all of the things that happen. Your, your letters get twisted backwards and forwards. Anybody know what I'm saying? So he's been clinically diagnosed. He's 10 years old. He gets into the water. He gets baptized. He comes up out of the water and he kind of shivers. And I'm thinking, he's dying on me right here. We get him up out of the water. He comes up on the steps. They put a a towel on him and they give him his glasses back. He puts the glasses on his eyes and he says to the people around him, I can't see out of these glasses. So I can't see out of the glasses. He takes the glasses off. And what I didn't tell you, he was blind in his right eye. And his right eye pops open. Completely healed in frigid water. My Lord in heaven. So he was reading on a kindergarten level. We go back in June, about a month ago. 30 days later, we go back, just like we're here tonight. The parents come up to me and tell me, you won't believe what's happened to him. He's no longer reading in just 30 days from a kindergarten reading level. He's already in 30 days advanced to a second grade reading level. Come on, let's give him glory. His sister got baptized uh, in the same line the same night. That Since she had been three years old, she had been riveted with arthritic pain in every joint in her body. For nine years, pain in her body. She gets baptized in that cold water. And for 30 days, she tells us, for 30 days, I've had zero pain in my body. Zero pain in my body. Now, the next slide, which I want them to pull up. This is beautiful. She was baptized the same night. This is a little Indian girl, from, uh, obviously from India. She's six years old. Six years old. That's my wife, Karen, in the top right, praying for her. She gets into the water. She gets baptized. And Pastor Q, she comes up shivering too. Shaken. I said, well, let's get her out. I'm thinking the worst case. My faith is not there. I promise you. It's just not there. And the thing about this revival, it is not Todd Smith. It's not Marty Derrickott, It's not Karen Smith. It's not anybody at, at our church. It is nameless and faceless. Jesus is doing this. No man, no person gets the credit. That's what's beautiful about it. Now, our faith is, 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 is high. You know what I'm saying? We, but you know, but I, I, I've touched the water. It's freezing. So she's shaking. I said, okay, let's get her out. Move on to the next one. They put the towel on her. And they asked, are you okay? The six-year-old Indian girl said, yes. While I was underneath the water. Now, you have to remember, she came up shivering, shaking. She said, while I was underneath the water, I saw Jesus. And then she said this, and she says, and I think I bumped into God. <laughs> and the reason that she was shaking wasn't because she was cold, but because she had an encounter with him. One thing that Pastor Marty, uh, in, in, with Blair, the girl that had her ear open up, that she said that when she was in the water, she saw a golden light and an angel. And she said, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to open your ear and you're going to hear as if you've never been deaf before. We've got that on video. If you can find it on Facebook, it's a a two-minute video. It's incredible. I don't know what God's going to do in your life, but I do know this, that every person that gets in that water will be touched by him. Now, am I going to promise you a miracle? I can't do that because I'm not the one. But I will promise you this, that he will touch you at some level. He will touch you at some level. And it's not, it's not about miracles and it's never been about miracles. When you make a move of God about miracles or a manifestation uh, and you try to validate if it is God based upon a miracle, you're missing Him. You're missing Him. There have been people that we baptized that have died. That came with days to live. You've got three weeks to live and they come and they spend one of the 21 with us. And we hear a report from time to time that someone didn't make it. It breaks our heart. We get a little discouraged, but we never stop swinging. We never stop baptizing. We keep going at it. It's never God's fault. We never blame Him. We always try to figure out, God, what did we do? Where did we go wrong? How could our faith be higher? What can we do better? You hear what I'm saying? All right. So it is humility and brokenness that Pastor Marty and I, and my wife, and our team are here tonight. We have nothing to offer you. Absolutely nothing. Zero. There is nothing in us that will help you. All I know is that in January of 2018... I'm walking across the platform in our church in a 21-day fast, broken, tired, desperate. Oh, God. We need you and want you. And he showed me our baptistry empty in the the natural, but full of water in the spirit and fire on top of the water. And he said, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. Never in a million years would I would think that I would be here tonight in a Korean American church, talking about what He showed me in the dark. It's not here, in my flesh, but he is here, and he'll meet you. Can I spend about 20 minutes going into the word tonight? I want you to grab your Bibles, Mark 16. Pastor Marty will be sharing more stories tomorrow night. If you know anybody that is away from God, backslidden, marginal in their faith, you know any person that's sick in their body, get them here. Get them here. Touch somebody and say, get them here. All right, now say it like you mean it. Get them here. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. We have people that we, we will be watching online It'll be 12 o'clock at night. This has happened in the past. One in the morning, two in the morning. They're watching online. And they'll send a message. Presence of God is in my room. He's calling me to come to your church and be baptized. I'm 45 minutes away. Will you wait on me? And they'll get in their car and they'll drive. We have people all over the world that will can't get to Dawsonville. But just this past week, a family from Dubai... Flies in and to come and to be baptized. He and his family. But we tell him, if you can't come, fill up your bathtub with water. Immerse yourself. Because he's doing something in the water. He is doing something because it's a point of contact at this moment. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Mark chapter 16. I want you to go there in your Bible. Mark chapter 16 Um, A few years ago, I believe the Lord spoke to me. In fact, it's the book that I wrote called He Sat Down. I had no idea that when God gave me these words in Revelation, that it would be instrumental in developing our church to be able to host his presence. Mark chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Verse 14 He's been resurrected. He spent 40 days with his disciple. This is the 40th day. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke to his disciples and he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It sounds like in that text that Jesus is giving his disciples an assignment. Is that correct? That he is telling his disciples, I need you to go preach the gospel. To every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, and they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We like the red, don't we? Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was what? received taken up into heaven and he did what sat down he sat down so i'm reading this a few years ago and the spirit of the lord spoke to me and he said todd read that again that verse and i read it out loud and i and it says and he was received up to heaven and he everybody say it sat down he said todd read it again I said, Lord, you were taken up into heaven and you, everybody say it, sat down. He said to my heart, he said, Todd, what am I doing right now? I said, Lord, according to this text, you're sitting down. You're sitting down. Now, guys, you may be able to follow with me, Uh, Michaela, just quickly as I'm going through this. Just follow with me, if you will. Uh, I think I begin... In slide um, number 148. And he said to me, he said, Todd, I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. Five times in the New Testament, it refers to Jesus sitting down. Five times. Only one time does it say that Jesus stood up. Between the book of Acts and the book of Revelation." The only time that he stood up is when Stephen was martyred. That when he came to heaven, or when he was being martyred, the Bible says that Jesus stood up. I want you to know tonight that what Jesus is doing at this very moment is what? Sitting down. This revolutionized my approach to church ministry. Because I have had the mindset that Jesus, who is in charge of everything, is going to take care of everything. But according to John chapter 17, Jesus said, I have finished the work you have given me. Now, before we moved to our current home, we lived in an area... Where I had a small little farm. I had 10 acres of property. I was responsible for cutting about four acres of grass. I had a particular responsibility being the leader of the home. I got the opportunity to ride on a zero turn 60 inch X-Mart lawnmower. That, that thing would travel eight miles an hour while I'm cutting grass. I mean, it was like, it was like a convertible I never had. And I'm, 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 I'm trekking. I'm moving, cutting the yard. I had my portion of the yard to cut. I had my responsibility. Amen right there? I had my little responsibility of cutting this portion of the grass. I would get done with my part and I would come into the house and I would, I would sit down. But the work was not done fully. Because my two strapping boys, one of them is here tonight, his name is Ethan. My older son is named Ty, had responsibilities and it was necessary that they would finish the job. I did my part and sat down. They had the trimming, the edging, the picking up of the branches. Come on now, talk to me. And they had to finish the work. And when they finished the work, the yard was pristine and gorgeous. Now understand what Jesus is doing here, because this is going to help us, pastors. This is going to help us tonight. That Jesus came and lived for 33 years and had a particular job to do. And when he finished his portion, he went to heaven and he sat down. But before he went to heaven, now listen to me, it's very important. Before he went to heaven, he gave an assignment to his followers. I'm going to heaven and I'm going to sit down. My work on the earth is done, but I need you to finish the job. I'm giving you the great commission. Do you hear me? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick and they recover. I need you to cast out devils. I, I, I need you to disciple all people. I am living or I am leaving and I am giving you now your portion of the work that must be done. Do you hear me? Is this making sense tonight? So I need that to register in your spirit. Now you're thinking, why am I teaching you this tonight when I'm sick in my body and I need to get into that water? Listen, I am not here to help you have an experience. I am here to help you have an encounter. And Pastor Marty said it so eloquently. We're here to deposit in your soul, in your spirit. Because what God wants to do in the DMV area is not going to be based upon events. It's not going to be based upon your experience in the water. It's what happens to you when you get out of the water. What happens to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What happens to you in your local church. Mm. Now listen. Here we are right now, Jesus is in heaven, he's given his disciples responsibility. Now let me read this to you very quickly. You and I know that we have a universal struggle. Now listen to me. It's a dichotomy. A struggle that has you and I completely dependent and relying on God for our very existence. Can, can somebody be in agreement with me? That you and I have our, we are completely dependent. We rely upon Him for our everything. However, now listen, I don't want, I don't want this to be controversial, but it can be if you don't listen. While we are dependent on God for our everything, on the other side, and what makes this dichotomy so interesting and compelling is that God at the same time is ultimately dependent upon man. Don't misinter, or don't, listen, don't misrepresent me tonight. Because I'm going to go somewhere where you've never heard a preacher go before. While we're dependent on God, God is dependent upon man. And this is how he set things up. Let me explain. God is God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everywhere, all at the same time. Can I get somebody to be in agreement with me? All right. He has the capacity to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. His strength cannot be duplicated. I'm going to just say amen when I point the mic at you, all right? His, his fierce power nobody can contain. Amen. The forces of nature obey his every command. The demons of hell tremble at the mention of his name. Amen. The mountains melt like wax. It is his presence. Amen. Angels bow, sickness leaves, and death shrivels when he shows up. Amen. We have no problem agreeing with that. Now, with me saying that, let me say this. God needs me. Now, we don't like that part. Because we want God to be our superhero. I write about it in in one of the chapters. Our Spider-Man, our Batman. To swoop in at the last moment and save us from ourselves. To do everything for us. So there's this dichotomy. That we need God and God needs us. Three questions. Or a few questions. Last night, 18,000 children died. Around the world due to malnutrition. Google it. United Nations tells us. Every 24 hours, 18,000 children die. That's equivalent to 60 jumbo jets falling out of the sky every 24 hours. Do you understand the, the severity of what I just said? 18,000 children die, Guys, I'm not making the stat up. You can Google it right now. How many children die per day due to malnutrition? No food. 18,000. Can I ask you a question? What is God going to do about that? See, this is where atheists get us. We say God's all-loving. God's in control of everything. And they'll come to you and say, your God is a compassionate God, but 18,000 children died last night. And if your God has all-powerful and all-loving, why is He allowing that to happen? And our response is, well, He's in charge. Because we don't know how to respond. That's why Kaneo is important for you. Do you hear me? What's God doing about it tonight? As a child in Africa. Bloated little belly. Will die by the time we get out of church service. Does God have the capacity to bring. Manna from the sky. Does God have the ability to bring, bring forth clean drinking water from the earth? We would all say, yeah. But can I answer the question? What is God going to do about that? The same thing he did last night. And the night before that. The night before that. Do you realize that 4.8 million people are engrossed into the sex trafficking industry? Mainly women and children. It's catastrophic. It's horrendous. Does God have the capacity to get them out of the sex trafficking industry? He's all powerful. But what is he going to do about that? Same thing he did last night. His children are raped. Girls are sold. Boys are auctioned off. Oh, it gets worse. According to the CDC, the Motor Vehicle Safety, every day 29 people in the United States die in motor vehicle crashes that involve an alcohol-impaired driver. That is one death every 50 minutes. And many of them are Christians. That die. I want to know. What is God. Doing. About that. Probing questions. Correct. We got to have the answer. Because we all want to have. The church talking points that make us feel better with human suffering. Right? But in the back of your mind, you must understand that God has sat down. He's not lost his power, nor his capacity, nor his compassion, nor his love. But he has transferred responsibility. You see, when Jesus went to heaven... He took his body with him. There was only so much that Jesus could do on the planet for 33 years in one body. That's why he says it is necessary for me to go. And the beautiful thing is this, that when he went to heaven, the Bible says, he told his disciples to go to the upper room and I want you to tarry there. And when you tarry there in the upper room, the 120 of you, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. The very spirit of Jesus came to live on the inside of them. So even though Jesus' physical body has went to heaven, went to heaven, that's where he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, his Holy Spirit now indwells each and every one of us. Jesus himself lives on the inside of us. And not only that, he says, I'm going to give you a gift and empower you to go do what I did on the earth. That's why he says, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these. So are you tracking with me? Okay, you have to catch this tonight because if it doesn't, it, you will think that I'm a heretic, that I, that I, that I am being sacrilegious. I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm trying to just be good Bible person. That when Jesus went to heaven, he sat down because he see it, said it on the cross, it is finished. John 17, he says, the work that you've given me to do, Father, I have finished. And as you have now sent me into the world, I now send them into the world. And the reason that there is human suffering, the reason that there are things that are going unchecked on the earth, it is not because Jesus is not compassionate. It is not because Jesus has lost his power or or, or being empathetic with people. It is that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting when they should be standing. First Corinthians twelve twenty seven, I get better Bible right here, okay? First Corinthians twelve twenty-seven says that we are now the body of Christ. He is the head, but we are the body. We get to decide the depth and the degree of the activity of God on the earth. If the church of the living God is sitting, the work of God does not get done. Okay. I know this is heavy. How did we get to this point? We have very terrible bad lines of belief, Pastor Q. Detrimental effect on the body of Christ. Horrific. Let me give them to you. Can I give you two? Can I give you four? Everybody say four. Write them down because you're going to need these. Four lines of horrendous, horrific, catastrophic, devastating, destructive lines of belief on the body of Christ. One at a time. Bad belief number one is that no matter what we do or don't do, God's will on the earth will be done. These are talking points of a lazy church. I believed this all of my life until I began to realize that God has sat down and he has left responsibility to me. Do you hear me? Let me break this up. No matter what we do or don't do, we believe that God's will on earth will be done. Bad belief number two. If God wills it, it will come to pass. How many times have we heard that? Well, if the Lord wants it to be done, nothing can stop it. Isn't that cute? Doesn't that sound safe? Doesn't that put us in the framework that all is well? That no matter what happens, if God wills it, nothing can be done to stop it. Can I tell you that that is a falsehood? Doesn't stand up to the biblical test because there's a lot of things in the Bible that God willed that did not come to pass. There were a lot of things that God didn't want to happen that came to pass. It was not God's will for them to march around the the, the desert for 40 years. It was God's will for them to go in. They got to decide, even though God willed for them to go in, they chose whether or not they got to go in. It was not God's will for David to look at Bathsheba on the rooftop. And if he had looked at her, it was his will, God's will to walk away. But because he chose to have a relationship with Bathsheba, it destroyed many lives. But it was not God's will. Are you with me? I'm just trying to be practical. In tonight of baptism... It's not just an experience, but you're going to leave this place understanding that I have a function and a role in my church. It is this teaching right here. Now listen to me, listen to me. That's why you must get the book he sat down, because I can't go into all of it. But it is this teaching, Karen, along with Canale, that I believe prepared us to be able to host his presence, Pastor Q. Because we didn't look to God to do everything. Bad belief number three, pull it up. If God wants it to happen, there's nothing that can stop it. Well, if He wants me to buy that car to be there on the car lot when I come back three months from now, <laughs> y'all know that's how we talk, isn't it? If the, if the Lord wants me to have that house, I know it's hundred thousand dollars beyond uh, below you know appraisal. It'll be there next year, and it sells in a day. But because we believe that if it's God's will, nothing can stop it. Well, if he wants me to marry her. (laughs) We go, we get a brain fog in the church. And bad belief number four. God is in control of everything. Uplifted hand. Both my hands go up. How many of us have said this? Now y'all lying. Y'all are lying. Be honest. God's in control. Come on, let's just say God's in control. Can I tell you something? He's not. I may not ever be invited back. See, Pastor Q's leaving on me already. He's leaving. He's adjusting the air. But we've been taught that God's in control of everything. He has the capacity to be in control of everything. It doesn't minimize his power or his authority. You have to understand Genesis chapter 1. If you understand Genesis 1, John 1, Acts 1, Revelation 1, you get the whole picture. Just read those four chapters. And if you understand those four chapters, Genesis 1, listen, John 1, Acts 1, and Revelation 1, you get it. God's not in control of everything. Could he be? Absolutely. But here's how he set it up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28. The Bible says that he gave man jurisdiction and authority and dominion over the earth. When God created mankind, he entered into a covenant with mankind. God knows this covenant. Satan knows this covenant. I am creating a sphere to put humanity on. And I am giving Adam, who represents all of mankind, authority. Let's read it. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness and let man have what? Everybody say Dominion. dominion. That means man will dominate the earth. Man will live by his choices. I will not control every decision that man makes man chooses how he or she lives. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Pull up the next one. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. He created them. Next one. Then God said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And everybody says, subdue, subdue it. Everybody say, subdue it. subdue it. He says, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to subdue the earth. And then he says, right there, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And you're thinking, well, we're just, we just have authority over animals. That means we can kill animals. What he's saying is, as high as a bird can fly and as deep as a fish can swim, man has complete domination over the earth. Save men and unsaved men. Where was God, if he's in control of everything? Hear me. Where was God when Hitler came on the scene and annihilated six million Jews? Hitler exercised his dominion. Where was Stalin when 12 million of his own people were killed Where was God in Orlando, Florida in the Pulse nightclub when a terrorist walks in and down guns down guns down dozens of people Do you hear me If you buy into the fact that God is in control of everything and nothing happens according that it's not according to his will then you basically make God responsible for every Jewish person's death and every person that was killed in the pulse. Did God will it? No. Did God want it to happen? Absolutely not. Did it happen? Yes. Why? Because a man decided and filled with such hate. That I will kill. Sobering. Is it God's will. For a family of four. To be on their way to church. And someone is texting and driving. Coming toward them. And veers in front of a family of four. On their way to church. And all four. Die. When the young girl of 12 was prophesied over that she would be a missionary to the nations. Well, where was God? He was in the laws that were passed. Don't text and drive. In the mother that said, son, don't text and drive. While the teenager is driving and looking at his phone, a still small voice said, don't text and drive. But he decided to text and drive anyway. And because of his disobedience, he killed a family of four. Well, where was God? Don't text and drive. heavy. Do you hear me? Where is God when the born again saved man is on a business trip to Minneapolis and in a moment of weakness he finds someone in the restaurant that is sitting by herself and decides to have a conversation with her and before the evening is over they're sharing the same room And a mom and two kids are at home waiting for daddy to come home. Do you want to tell me if God's in control of everything? I have dominion over my own world. That's why it's very important that I submit to the will of God for my life. I choose. Do you hear me? Am I helping you or hurting you? I don't want to hurt you. I I just want to let you know how important your life is. And you cannot any longer say if it's God's will, it's going to happen no matter what. Your neighbor will die and go to hell and burn for eternity while we take the posture That nothing can happen unless God wills it. He wills that no one perishes. That's your Bible. So how are we doing? Can I help you? This is heavy. But this, listen to me, changed our church. Because we all sat down in church and said, bless me God, help me God, change me God, make me feel better, heal my body God, take care of me, prosper me God, God you're here, nothing's gonna happen to me unless you will it. And so I sit back and had this attitude, it doesn't really matter. No it does matter. I take ownership of my life and I have to submit it to the Lordship of Christ. I lay my body on the altar and say, Jesus, the Spirit of the living God, live through me today. There are a lot of folks that have died prematurely. I do not buy into the mindset and it's just, it's just common sense rationalism that the church has developed that nobody dies unless God wills it. Tell that to the baby in the womb tomorrow. That will be picked apart piece by piece. You cannot tell me with a straight face that that is God's will. People die prematurely. When a 13-year-old hangs himself in a bedroom from the ceiling fan, it is not God's will. The child loved God with all of his heart, but because of bullying and because of rejection, he couldn't handle it anymore. And God, all the while, was telling other Christians in his life, Call Johnny! Go see Johnny! Go ju- go text Johnny! Find out where Johnny is! And they were too busy! His father walks in and sees him dangling from the ceiling fan. We have got to adopt the mindset That Jesus is sitting down. But He lives on the inside of me. I am now His representative. What He did, I must do. Well, that was just His day to die. Stop the insanity. In my hometown, two days ago, A man chases his wife in an automobile. She calls and says, my husband is after me. She pulls into the fire station. Within a couple of miles of my house, he gets out of the car and pulls a gun and shoots her and kills her. Where was God? If he is in control of that, I want nothing to do with him. That's bold. He's given me jurisdiction. And hell breaks loose in our lives when we do not live under the lordship and submission of the Holy Ghost. That's heavy. Dear Lord, I don't can we I don't know if we need to baptize or not tonight. I don't know. <laughs> How have we done as a church? They have believed those four talking points. You know that? Pull them back up. One, quickly. What's number one? Pull it up. No matter what we do or don't do, God's will on the earth will be done. False. Next one. If God wills it, then we'll come to pass. False. Two. Next one. Number three. If God wants it to happen, there's nothing that can stop it. Four. God is in control of everything. How have we done with that mindset? 7.4 billion people on the planet. Follow me quickly. Write these numbers down. You understand that? Right now, there's 7.4 billion people on the planet. It's in my book. you got to get this. All these statistics are there. 50 55 million people die every day, or every year. 55 million. According to United Nations all over the world, that's over a million people a week that die. According to all the missiologists and researchers, there are 2.3 billion saved people on the planet. Got it? billion people, 2.3 billion say they're Christian. Now, you and I both know they're not all Christian. But they identify as Christian. 70 to 75% of Americans identify as Christian. Y'all know that ain't true. 31% Let's assume... That 31% of all dead were Christians this past year. That means 17 million in the last 365 days went to heaven. That's pretty good, right? 17 million people in the last 365 days have gone to heaven. Praise God for that. But do you realize that there are 5.1 billion unsaved people? That means 69% of the people on the planet don't know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him. Does that make sense? I mean, do you understand what, what, what is 69% and we've had the gospel for 2,000 years? Coca Cola's been in existence less than 50, uh, 150 years. They got a Coke product within walking distance of every human on the planet. They have 130,000 employees. There are 2.1 billion Christians. You tracking with me? Let's assume that 69% of all dead were not Christians last year. That means that 38, 157 people stepped out into eternity unprepared to meet God. Of the unsaved, watch this statistic. 42% of the world lives in an unreached people group. That literally means that less than 1% of their nation... Listen, their nation is Christian. 42% of the globe does not have a Christian influence. That means I can be born, be raised as a child... Be educated, work, get married, have a family, and eventually die, and not one time in my life hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Well, we have the mindset that God's in control of everything. If He's in control of this, wouldn't you believe that God would want to get a Christian witness to them that somehow, some way, that they would hear the gospel? billion people live in an unreached area. So let's assume that 42.2% of all dead last year were in an unreached area. That means that 23 million people stepped out into eternity that had never heard the gospel. Pretty sobering, isn't it? 23 million people. Let me break it down. One hundred fifty-one thousand people die every day in the world. That's a lot of people. Look at the next one. One hundred fifty-one thousand people die every day. If thirty-one percent of those that die are Christians, forty-six thousand. Right at forty-seven thousand people go to heaven every day. Forty-six thousand people go to heaven. If 69% are unsaved, 104,000 step out into eternity and go to hell. Every day. Every day. Every day. Stop. Everybody look at me. Every day. Every day. While we're believing that God is, is in charge of everything, and he's got everything working out according to his plan, 104,000 people step out into eternity. Here's the horrible fact. That 64%, or 64,000 every day step out into eternity. Who have not heard the gospel one time. Pastor, I just came here to get baptized. I didn't come here to feel guilty. I'm not here to help you feel guilty. I'm here to help you stand up. Because Jesus is not going to do it. He will not go to the Philippines and share the gospel. He finished. He is not going to China. The only way that he goes if he goes in you. You want to hear a scripture that's going to blow your mind? First Thessalonians 2 4. The Bible says that God has entrusted us with the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says this, I have committed to you, watch this, I have committed to you the gospel of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. I have given it to you. The gospel, the greatest message on the planet. Come here, Pastor Q, stand with me. The greatest message on the planet. Come here, up here. The greatest story ever told. Jesus, the gospel, the good news. The only way to heaven. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to go. I'm going to go sit down. And as I go to sit down. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I will be in you. I need you to go. I finished my vase. I've done my work. I am entrusting you with this. The whole world depends on you. Take your dominion. Subdue the earth. And go. And you go. And you go. And you go. Now listen to me. Come here. No, no, no. You hold it for a sec. I'm giving you this. This is the great, we love the Great Commission. Go into all the, isn't that cute? Isn't that fun? I just hope God sends some missionaries to the world. And I'm going to sit here and enjoy my life and my self-steering, self-parking car. And I'm going to enjoy all the gadgets and all the toys. And and God's going to reach all the masses of the world while I hear, come here to church to get blessed and encouraged and refreshed and fed by Pastor Q and these wonderful pastors. And if they ever um, need me, and uh, I, I may be at the beach or at the lake, or but I, whenever I need you, I need you to come and help me. I'm going to just sit down and be blessed. And Jesus says, "I've entrusted that with you. I will not take it back." That's why the Bible says the eyes of God roam throughout the whole earth, trying to find a man or woman whose heart is completely loyal to me. So that I may show myself strong on their behalf. You have to understand Genesis 1. Dominion belongs to us. And if we're lazy and inactive, the work will never get done. Well, Pastor, I'm hurt. Get over it, quit wallowing in your pity. Earth people hurt earth people. Humans hurt humans. You don't know the trauma I've been through. You're telling me that your trauma is greater than any deliverance that Jesus can bring to you. I'm not minimizing your pain. Guys, let's get up. I've entrusted it to you. And what you do with it will determine... Well, that's another story. Do you hear me tonight? Okay. I've done my job. Done my job. This teaching. About 10 to 12 weeks. Created revolt in my church. A revolt against laziness, bad thinking, poor theology, and it activated our people and said, God, I'll go. I will be you. This is why, listen to this. Both devils and the Spirit of God are looking for bodies to inhabit. Do you hear me? That's why Romans 12, I beseech, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Present your what? As a living sacrifice. All God needs is a body. It doesn't have to be a perfect body, a pretty body, a rich body, a body that he can fill. Romans 6, present your body as an instrument of righteousness. As a slave to the Lord. All God wants is your body. Why? Because he'll use it for, your, for his glory. Stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You have endured a very difficult teaching. But if you'll respond perfectly to this, God will begin to touch you and use you in unprecedented ways. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Who in this room tonight? And even those that are watching around the world. Who in this room tonight can say, Todd, I I I, I hear you. I, 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 I get what you're saying. But I, I am completely unsaved. I don't know him. I don't know Jesus as my... As my Savior, I, I came here because I heard that that there's hope, and there is. There is, and right now you can be born again. You can have an encounter with Jesus in this room. You can know that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to be going to heaven. But this is not cheap exchange tonight. This is not cheap. This is not. Um, where I'm going to say a cute prayer and ask Jesus in my heart and, and I'll go to heaven. No, 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 no. You will not find that prayer in the Bible. You will not find a prayer to accept Jesus in the heart in the entire Bible. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you won't find it because it gets the job done. But what you will find is people saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus never said, pray a prayer. He said, follow me. Some people said, I want eternity and I want, I want. what do I have to do to go to heaven? Jesus, Jesus made it very clear. And he didn't beg them. He didn't lower the standard so that he could gather a, a following. He, he, he said, do this. And if they weren't willing to do it, then they didn't get saved. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right, now, your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Now, raise your head and open your eyes. Who in this room would like to follow him? you've never been saved you've never been his disciple but you're willing to follow him you want to be born again your sins forgiven and you want to make him your master and to turn from your old ways repent and make Jesus your savior if that is you as high as you can with every eye open and everybody looking around who would say I want to be born again tonight I want to know Jesus as my savior I've never been saved would you raise your hand anybody in the Raise your hand. Anybody in the room? Okay. Great. Two sweet little girls right here. Anybody else? Todd, that's awful bold. I get it. You got to understand it's going to cost you everything to serve Him. I'm going to ask those two sweet young ladies to come and stand right here in front of me. Pastor Q, we want to take care of them, minister to them, lead them to the Lord, make sure they understand what Jesus did for them. And I'm sure they do. We're going to help them have an encounter with the Lord. Right here, right here. Pastor Morton. Right come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Listen. Now I want you to hear me and then we're going to, we're going to open up the altar for baptism. We are living in an era That the church cannot can no longer be quiet. We're living in an era that the church can no longer be impotent. We're living in a time where the church can no longer be addicted to sin. Hell is too hot. Heaven is too real. Eternity is too long for me to fail Him in this hour. Our responsibility is too large for us not to understand what Jesus did for us and give Him complete access to our bodies. And say, Jesus, I lay my body on the altar. I am completely, thoroughly, teetotally Yours. Whatever You ask me to do, I will do it. Your baptism tonight is a baptism of fire. Of repentance. Brokenness. And encountering Him. He will touch bodies. He will heal bodies. But this is about Him tonight. Lift your hands. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus. Here's my body. Possess it. Fill it. Overflow. Overflow. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I will say whatever you want me to say. Be big on the inside of me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Would you right now? Pastor Q, would you come? I want to say it again. It was this teaching that I really believe that the Lord shifted everything in our church because this is what he told me. Listen to me. Do not build me a church full of attenders. He said, build me an army that I can use. Do you hear me? Do not build me a church full of, th- that's filled with attenders, an audience. Build me an army. Build me an army. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. He wants to. He has the capacity, but he'll use you. Pastor Q. We're
3: going to worship God uh, with some praises, but I think it's right for us tonight to really offer uh, ourselves, submit ourselves, his lordship say God here I am I want to fully live as you call me to live I want to go where you are me to go here I am we need that surrender tonight I want to invite the uh, the ministry team to come forward we're going to praise a praise together and prepare a heart, and I want you to surrender your heart to God. Say, God, I am your, yours. I want to follow you all the way. Make me, help me to go, and be what you call me to be. And I want to invite you to come as an act of faith and prayer. And you know, and ask, you know, minister to be up here. You can pray with them. They will encourage you. Use if you need. Some prayers in that. God, I need your help in this area. We want to pray for you as well. If you are in need of surrender in your life, come. Let's worship God. I want you to come before God. And also, if you need any prayers for healing and, and a restoration and encounter with God, I want to invite you to come and pray. And let's worship God together.